back to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're, we're continuing in our Truth Matters series. Uh, we're also, this is um, the, uh, the second part to our focus on progressive Christianity. And progressive Christianity, as I mentioned before, is kind of a, a big umbrella that covers a lot of the, um, the issues that we're facing today in the church. And so we'll be using that term and talking about that for many weeks to, to come. And we'll be diving into more specifics, some of these issues that we'll uh, address individually. And so some of the things we'll just throw out today, but we, we will get to them. I happen to notice as, as Susan was uh, just kind of re- reviewing a, a great book that was uh, a book that in its uh, introduction and, and its purpose and its title, its subtitle, again, it's based on scripture. It's based on the Bible. And, and so uh, that's a good start when you're looking at books and evaluating them. But I noticed, or Susan noticed in the intro, and remember, this book is written in 1995. That's about 30 years ago. It's called The Excellent Wife by Martha Peace. And this was what was in the intro. The Church of Jesus Christ is being inundated with more spiritual instruction than at any other time in history. This proliferation of so-called truth is pouring into the church from Christian books and magazines, Christian television and radio programs, Christian audio and videotapes. You see it's a little dated there. That'd be podcasts. Christian seminars, Christian recovery programs, and Christian counseling ministries. Now, the emphasis there is on the so-called truth and the so-called Christian. And, and I'm not the one that <clears throat> is making this up, and I'm not the one that's uh, bringing it to our attention. Uh, the Bible does that. Scripture does that throughout the New Testament. Almost every single letter that's written to individual churches its lead is a warning over false doctrine, false teaching. And so we're commanded to be wise. We're commanded to be like the Bereans, to test what's being said. And we rub that against what scripture says. We studied Revelation. And in Revelation, as the, the churches individually were, were being addressed, we, we saw again that, that truth was at the, at, at the center of those issues. We need to know what's true. There's going to be a lot of lies. There's going to be a lot of deceptions. And the fact is, the truth is, it, it, it's going to come from within the church, just like Martha Peace's book says, the so-called. Well, what is truth? And that's what we're studying. And what is myth? And look, our goal is not to be harsh. That's not the goal here. Our goal is not to attack but our goal is to be honest. And, and I'll mention a little bit later, we're, we're dealing with people who write books and have affected millions of people, millions. This isn't just somebody, you know, and having a barbecue that has an idea or a thought. And, and this is happening over and over again. Our goal, and let's be clear, our goal is we are on a rescue mission, just like Jesus, to seek and save the lost. Not to come to to destroy or tear people down. That's not the point. But we have to uh, come to help and and honest help. And the problem is there's so many people, and I'm talking about within the church, that just don't want to accept the help. 
They, they don't want to listen and they have plenty of people lying to them, happily lying to them. And so the warnings throughout scripture are being rejected. And I pose it to you like this. Just imagine, you know, we've got some, uh, some pretty tasty goodies over there, right? Maybe some of you have seen them. Maybe some of you have tasted them already. But, but they're there and they're, they're, they're good. But I, I want to warn you, two of the little pastry treats have poison in them are going to kill you. Now, some of you are already a little alarmed because you've already eaten them. You've already done it. You've already listened and read and, and, and been influenced. Now, the others of you, how many of you are anxious to go eat one? Well, you shouldn't be. You should be what? Cautious, right? Or even say, you know what? I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not a baker. I, I can't identify which one's been, uh, you know, tainted. And I'm not saying Jim did this. Um, but, but. You would be careful. The Bible keeps telling us, be careful, be careful, be careful. Pay attention. Listen. Be on guard. Be on guard to who? To the guys up front speaking. Okay? When, 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 when I say something like this, the first thing you should say is, well, what does it say in the Scriptures? Well, 1 Timothy 4, but the Spirit explicitly says in latter times, some will fall away from the faith. Well, we're in the latter times, and I'm here to say some are going to fall away. I'm on a rescue mission. I don't want anybody to fall away. Paying attention to, how is this happening? They're paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of the demons. So again, Scripture is the one that's putting us on alert. Okay, I, I didn't decide, wake up one morning and go, oh, I want to talk about deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, which means that there are people in the world that are lying to us. So again, what, what's our goal? Our, our, our goal is um, to not be ashamed of the gospel. The, the word of God, Romans 1.16 says, this has the power unto salvation, God's word. I don't have any power to save people, but God's word does. So we want to direct people back to God's word. We know that in scripture, it says people are going to profess to be wise when in actuality, they're fools. How's that for a warning? Be careful of the people who are acting like they're really, really wise because actually they might be the fools. Uh, do we see that today? Again, our, our priority is soul saving. It's not social or political, even though... We, we, we touch on these points, but we're not here to be political. That is not our point. Uh, we're here again at kind of another fork in the road in Christianity. We, we saw Christianity growing and moving. And then, you know, a, a, as, a, as a response against the, the heirs in the Catholic Church, there was a schism and there was a fork in the road. And people said, no, we need to be orthodox and conservative. And so they broke off. And then a couple hundred years later, or a thousand years later, there was another fork in the road. And, and Luther and, and, and the Reformation, the reforming of the church, again, there was a, a split in the road. And we had the Protestant Reformation. Well, here we are again in this fork in the road where through the church, through Christianity, you have progressive Christians and Christians. So we have to understand, well, what is progressive Christianity? What does it look like? And here's something for us to just 
pin our ears up. The idea of progressive, by definition, means not traditional, not conventional. So I want you to think about that. Um, you know, you're getting ready to fly on a plane and, and your captain gets on there and says, I just want to let you know, I'm not traditional or conventional. I wasn't trained. I'm just going to try some new stuff. Again, like the donuts, would you get on that plane? Uh, excuse me, be hitting that button. I need off, right? Why? Because your life is at stake. Your spiritual life is at stake. That's what we're talking about. This is no joke. So I don't want somebody who's like, I'm not traditional. I'm liberal. I'm not conventional. No, I want somebody who is biblical. I want somebody who is, is clings to the scripture. I, I am going to go by this. I'm going to hold on to what God's word says. I don't want to improve it. Progressive Christianity says, no, no, we must improve Christianity. We must change. And again, last week we talked about, well, who changes God's word? Who, who, who in the room's worthy? Again, the arrogance. By what authority do you change God's word? How do we change it? Why do we change it? Where do we change it? So again, progressive Christianity, they, they think God's word needs fixing. That should raise your antenna. They don't think God's in touch. God's old. God's had his time. So, you know, things that the Bible's talked about, like creation and what life is and what marriage is and what gender is and what morality is. Well, that's just old fashioned. God's not in touch. What we see in, in progressive Christianity is, is they like to use certain, you know, you know, weaponized words or, you know, this, this progressive new, new language, you know, words like toxic masculinity. Everybody's a bigot who doesn't agree with you. The idea of the Christian white male patriarchy. Christianity is a hate group. Notice that those words sound an awful lot like politics, the political, and ironically, they're a part of the progressive liberal. Do you think it's an accident that progressive Christianity and progressive liberals speak the same language? That is not an accident. That should horrify you. I don't I want to be on that same team. I want to be on team Jesus. Does Jesus talk like that? No. What we're going to see is the world is using these concepts, but, but they have different ideas and they have different solutions, not biblical ones. Yeah, the, the issue is the same. Poverty, homelessness, right? Widow, orphan, poor. But the concept, the solution is completely different. And so you'll see out of the progressive movement, this, these phrases again, like we need to show compassion. We need to have mercy and tolerance and acceptance and support. Of course, they don't mean biblical tolerance and biblical acceptance and biblical support. They mean political, liberal. That it's to suggest that the Bible isn't <coughs> compassionate or merciful. Are you kidding me? Um, and so... They're silent on things like repent, obey, keep co keeping commandments. They don't like those. That's, again, that's old school. They like new school. 
I, I, I don't want to obey. I want to make it my own way. I want to invent my own rules. Or I'm a postmodernist. There is no absolute truth. Well, that's infiltrated the church through progressive Christianity. And again, the difficulty is most progressive Christians don't call themselves progressive Christians. They just do it. They don't even know what it means, which is part of their foolish arrogance. So we're back to the four warnings of progressive Christians. Last week, we talked about the first one. Progressives teach deceitful doctrines. And then today, we're going to also cover progressive Christianity as not nourished by the word. Progressive Christianity teaches ungodly things. And then progressive Christianity doesn't give attention to scripture. You'll notice that all four are tied into doctrine, the word, teaching, and scripture. It's just a, a constant assault on God's word, which is exactly what we saw in the garden with Satan tempting Eve. So nothing new under the sun. So the first warning of progressive Christianity, just as a quick review, is uh, they teach deceitful doctrines. Verse one, but the spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to what? Deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience with, as with branding irons. Men who forbade marriage and advocate abstain from foods, which God created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. So we see that progressive Christianities, they, they teach deceitful doctrines. Well, we're in those latter times. The warnings of be, be on alert for hypocrites, hypocritical liars that say one thing, I believe in the Bible and do another, teach opposite of what the Bible, directly opposite of what the Bible clearly says. It, it, they misguide, they misdirect. And, and, and like it says here, by means of hypocrisy and liars, seared in their own conscience as with branding iron. Now, do you know what a branding iron is, right? You, you do it with cattle. Uh, and, and if you've ever seen a branding iron on a person, it's like a super cool thing that a, a lot of tough football players do in certain sorority or not sorority, fraternity. And they brand themselves. And there's this giant, I mean, it puffs out because it's a scar. And so the idea here is that, that people are going to be so branded with this deceitful spirit and doctrine of demons and, and they're hypocrites and they're liars. But, but they don't really get it because it's so embedded. And, and that makes it even scarier. Now, there's a couple of things that we need to take note of. One is that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith. That, that's key. It's not a faith. It's not your faith. It's the faith. What is the faith? The faith of the word of God. You don't get to define it, change it, fix it, clean it up. No, there's one faith and one faith alone. We see it in verse 5. For it is sanctified by means of the word. Again, the word of God. Not your word, a word, some word, new words. It's the word. The Bible. 
That's what we hang our hats on. And so that's why we see that, that the way to trick people is to deceive them from the word with a word or a faith. And again, through last week, we looked at progressive uh, Christianity and some of the key deceptive doctrines, which aren't new, but, you know, this, this attention to oneness and unity in the communion. I mean, who, wants to, who doesn't want to be united, right? But united under what? It's not under the word. Uh, they have new teachings, new teachings of Jesus. And Jesus is definitely not exclusive. There isn't only one way to the Father through the Son. No, there's many ways. Well, that's again a different gospel. They have this idea of the, this radical concept of compassion and inclusion. Compassion and inclusion means we don't talk about sin, right? Because that's not compassionate. Inclusion, we don't talk about repenting because that's not inclusive. And so they put more value on actually challenging and questioning Scripture and saying, well, is that what it really means? Did Jesus really mean repent when he said repent? I mean, the context of it. The adjectives, the purpose, it's one word, repent. It's not hard to mess up unless you're a progressive Christian. And so they see everything with this political and worldly concept, not a biblical one. A, a, a worldly concept then looks at everything, blames everybody else, right? Where scripture is very clear. Uh, this is sin. This is a you problem not a society problem. And you know what you need to do? You need to change and you need to repent. Well, I don't like that. That's not compassionate. That's harsh. That's mean. Well, that's biblical. We can do it as Galatians 6, 1 says, in gentleness, in kindness. But what are we doing? We're rebuking sin. We're restoring people from sinful behavior. We don't have to be mean or jerky about it, but we have to do it. And they're not going to like it. And so we see a, 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 a deep attention to the self. You got to love yourself first. Again, completely contradictory of scripture that says do nothing from selfishness or, or empty conceit, but the humility of my regard others as more important than yourself, just like Jesus did who died on the cross for our sins to sacrifice himself. He wakes up every morning thinking of us, not himself. What do we do? The complete opposite. And so deceitful doctrines comes from, a, from false teachers who aren't looking to the word. They're just looking at words and pulling out what they, what they want. And it's not a result then of true believing in the Bible. And the worst of it is they're too cowardly to just come straight forward and admit it. Don't tell me you believe in the Bible. And then the next phrase out of your mouth is something that completely contradicts the Bible. Just say, I don't believe in this thing. It's got some neat little tidbits. Say it the way you mean it. That's what they're saying. And we have to be careful. We don't do the same thing. We have to be careful. We don't do the same thing. Well, that's hard. You don't like that. Um, why doesn't he work on that? Why doesn't she do it better? I'll just keep doing my thing. Well, they twist God's words 
And that's what makes it a counterfeit gospel. Well, the second warning of progressive Christianity that we want to look at is they're not nourished by the word. They're not nourished by the word. What what do we mean? Verse 6, in pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Now, stop right there. When you come across those passages, doesn't that get you a little excited? You, You know what I want to be? I want to be a good servant of Jesus Christ. You want to talk about a goal? You want to talk about a verse to memorize? You want to talk about, you know, putting something on the, on the wall or a screensaver of, of like, here's, here's my purpose statement. Here's, here's something that I, I want to be a good servant of Jesus Christ, right? How? Well, Scripture tells us constantly, not occasionally, not sometimes, not whenever you feel like it, constantly over and over and over again meditating day and night constantly nourished on the words the words of what of the faith and the sound doctrine which you have been following so we are constantly to be focused on the words not just the word the words the faith and the sound doctrine but having nothing to do, there's, there's a contrast here, having nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for a woman. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So we have to discipline ourselves. It's not easy. Nobody said it was going to be easy. Life is hard. Everything worth doing takes discipline. It takes the grind, the daily, constant grind over and over again, the sweat, the toil, getting up early, putting in the work. We, we don't want to work at anything anymore. We don't, we don't, it's, it's all supposed to just come to us. Well, progressive Christianities, they're, they're not nourished by the word. What's the idea of nourishing? It's, it's that, that healthy food, right? It's, it's real food. We like fast food. Fast food is not nourishing it's it's temporary it's sugar it's sweet and and it's it it comes and it goes real fast no we're to seek real food john 6 calls this the bread of life this this is food that'll sustain our life Uh, hebrews 5 14 talks about the idea of of we should should grow from from milk we're not babies anymore we should grow from milk to meat, right? We should be meat eaters, meat eaters of God's word. That's what's going to make us healthy and nourished. And again, the focus is on the faith, the sound doctrine, not, not other ideas of faith and doctrine. It's right here, right here. Have you read your scriptures cover to cover? Have you done that and then done it again? Do, do you know what the word is? Do you know what sound doctrine is? That's a good thing. It's not a bad word. Again, progressive Christianity likes to put it down as like studying theology and doctrine is a bad thing. Going to seminary and actually being trained is a bad thing. They, they really, really attack that idea of what? Studying God's word so that when you preach and teach it, you're right. So that not only that, one of the best values that I got out of seminary was I had to read all the other junk. 
so that I knew how to identify the junk. And I read the Quran and I read the Book of Mormon. I read all these other translations and books so that I would know, so that I could make a ready defense. So I knew what sound, what real doctrine was. But more importantly, I was nourished on God's word. And we read this over and over and over again. We studied it in Hebrew. We studied it in Greek. And, and we tore apart. And we had to be tested on the entire Bible. You know what the test was about? Anything in the Bible. What's in chapter 3 of Ezekiel? And you got to know the answer. That's part of the ordination. That was a brutal test. Um, that was hard. But that's we had to pour in and, and chapter by chapter memorize, you know, the 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 title, the purpose, the theme and have an understanding of this book. Why? Because this is the only book that matters. Well, again, progressive Christianity and, and this idea of, well, we don't need sound doctrine. We want worldly fables. What's, what's worldly fables? You know, we don't really use that term fables anymore, right? But that was like an old way of saying the philosophers that came up with the cool story. Maybe they used the Romans and the, and the Greek gods and they created morality in that and gave us a little, a, little, a little story, right? Well, nowadays, the way we see that is, and, and especially with, with people who fall into this umbrella of progressive Christianity, they want to get to story time. Constantly want to talk about stories. Talk about people and their story. It's not that their story is not true. It's just not biblical. It's just not like just because th these are the 10 steps you took to Christianity doesn't mean those are the 10 steps. That's just your life and praise God for your life. But, but those are anecdotal solutions. And just because you went through all these trials and all these tribulations doesn't mean we all should. Right? God wants us to be holy. Now he makes a provision for our unholiness on the cross, paying for our sins. But that's the goal. Not this idea of, well, say la vie. We're all broken. We're all broken. What does it matter? No, we, we come before the throne of grace, begging and pleading, thankful, grateful for that but they put an put a emphasis on, on stories. And then because of that, they put an emphasis out of this book and into other books. And they, and they have like all these titles that they think are super cool. And by the way, you guys don't know this or realize this. Almost all the publishers for Christian books are secular. Now that should frighten you. The secular publishers that only have one interest sell more books. That's it. Well, how do we sell more books? Well, it's easier to, if we do it by lying and deceiving people, by telling them, tickling their ears and just telling them what they want to hear anyway. Because you know what? Nobody wants to buy the book of, of 300 pages on every page that says, repent, <laughs> repent, repent. Or maybe we'll get a little bit more detail. Uh, I have this sin problem. Yeah, repent. I have this sin problem. Repent. I have this. Well, nobody wants to read that. So they don't sell that book. They, well, if you did this, blame your dad. Uh, if you did this, well, that's mom's fault. Uh, if you did that, that's society. Well, they like that book. Here's some of the titles. Um, again, not expositing God's word, just modern day fables. Here's a good book title. Don't you want to read this book? Just Faith. I mean, it sounds good, right? But again, it's tricky. It's not the faith. It's just faith. It, it's what it's. 
a made-up faith. It's your faith. It's your, your interpretation of faith, just faith. Or how about this one? I remember a, a sports show called this. It was a sports show called Outside the Lines. Like you really get to know people. You only know them as a basketball player or a baseball player, but you're going to get to know them outside the lines. So we got Jesus outside the lines. I don't want Jesus outside the lines. I want Jesus the lines. I want to know what God's word says about Jesus, not what happened by somebody's imagination. How about this one? This is my favorite. Another gospel. Seriously? This is one of the most famous progressive Christian books out there. Another gospel. Um, scripture has something to say about that. Let him be accursed. Uh, here's another one. Something needs to change. Something needs to change. Yeah, that's right, because Bible, Christianity is not good enough. Paul, the progressive. Of course he's progressive. Uh, culture shock. Got to drive us back to culture. Uh, another book. The church, or uh, the church that uh, doesn't want you to read. That's interesting. Yeah. And then misreading scripture with Western eyes. And you know what? Some of these critiques have have uh, some honest evaluations. As as Americans, we're a bit blinded by certain things, most definitely. But but it's again the idea of attacking scripture first. And then attacking who you are. So the goal is to attack Christianity and then redefine the goals. None of these titles are, are titles or headings or subheadings that we see throughout Scripture. So many untrained people, they have no accountability. Half of these books, they're not pastors. They haven't been to seminary. They have absolutely no accountability other than to their publisher to sell books. What could go wrong with that? So they're just selling fast food, fast food, fast food. The easy way to fame and fortune attack Christians. They don't confront sin, which means their concept is all off. Their solution is all wrong. Well, they are not nourished. They're not fed by real food, by real meat, by the real word of God. So they're easily deceived into creating a, an entirely new Jesus. And we'll talk about the, the Jesus commercials. He gets us, right? Th these are horrible messaging in these commercials. Maybe well-intentioned, but very misguided. Well, the third warning of progressive Christianity is literally they teach ungodly things. Back to the scripture, verse 8. For bodily discipline is only a little profit. And I love, I remember reading this when I was, uh, college athlete and getting up every morning and working out and practicing and then working out again. And, you know, the only thing that mattered was getting bigger, stronger, faster. Right. And then I read this first and I was like, uh Oh, for the bodily discipline is for little profit. Big deal. You have sweet abs. <laughs> What's that going to do for you spiritually? And again, you guys, I use this as a real example. I was a young man, new in the Lord. I didn't know anything other than I need to trust this word. And the Bible tells you, Tony, you're putting too much focus on your body. What profit is there? But godliness is profitable for all things. And my life changed because God's word changed my life. And because I humbled myself to be obedient to it, to say, I'm going to put 
more attention into my life spiritually than I am my body. And I started getting up every morning and reading the word for an hour. I was lifting weights for an hour. Why not read the word for an hour? But godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Godliness is profitable. Holiness is profitable. Godliness, obeying, obedience, righteousness, these are good things. Why are we mocking people for it? They're legalists. No, maybe they're just trying to be like Jesus. Maybe we're just trying to follow what scripture says. Maybe we're trying to repent. Maybe if we love Jesus, we will keep his commandments. Like that verse says. Why? Because scripture tells us over and over and over and over and over again that that's what we're supposed to discipline ourselves to. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance for it is for this we labor and strive we work we work because we have our fixed hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men especially believers our hope our fixed hope is on God and he is Hebrews 4 12 living active and alive God is not dead. God is not like, oh, this is old stuff, old covenant, old news. They don't, God doesn't know what he's talking about. We, we've got a new way of life now. No. Old laws, old rules, old disciplines, old righteousness, old godliness is still profitable. And there's, there's a, a future in it for you. It's called heaven. Worth it? Yeah, it's worth it definitely worth it absolutely worth it well progressive Christians don't really think so See, they have a different diagnosis for everything and it begins with well it's not sin because that's harsh and mean so so it's a different diagnosis imagine you go to the 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 doctor and they won't diagnose it for what it really is. They diagnose it for something else. Well, guess what? They're going to give you a different prescription. It'll be the wrong one. Well, we want the right diagnosis and the right prescription. Genuine goodness to a progressive Christian then becomes more along the line of the political, of the activism. So the idea of social justice warriors... That becomes their goal. Well, that concept and that idea is not godly. It's ungodly. It's the wrong concept and the wrong solution, beginning with the whole definition of it. What is justice? Is there like a different definition of justice? Social justice is a different justice than biblical justice? What is justice? Adhering to a standard given by a holy God doing that standard and then making that standard right when people break that standard that's just all the other stuff then just becomes your opinion of what right and wrong is which by the way they don't believe that there's any absolute opinions except their own which is a complete ironic hypocrisy and twist of reality 
So they have the wrong approach then to real things. And we'll talk about these things like, like, okay, here's a problem with immigration. Here's a problem with the poor. Here's a problem with the homeless, with addiction, with education. These are all real problems. But, but the approach to it then becomes very different and unbiblical. So, for instance, this little thing called widow, orphan, poor that we've had from the beginning, read James. We've always had widow, orphan, poor. We've had it in the beginning, read Leviticus, right? The gleaners in the field. We've always had poor people. We've always had widows. We've always had this, this problem. Well, is the Bible silent? Absolutely not. Bible has everything to say about how we take care of the widow, the orphan, the poor. So much so that little things like, you know, the Red Cross, when people are dying in battle, these Christian people would go out in the middle of the battlefield and I don't care what side you're on, we're just going to help you. Or this little thing, you know, we call, you know, hospitals uh, were created by Christians schools, orphanages. So when, when people were poor, when people were sick and unhealthy and needed education, the Christians stepped up and created these things. Rescue missions. You know how many rescue missions, gospel rescue missions there are in America? Over a thousand of them. Christian organizations doing something to support the homeless. Funded by who? By people like us. And what's the goal there? The goal there is to not just feed them, you know, give them a blanket and give them a sandwich, but to feed their souls because we can feed them. We can clothe them. We can shelter them. But what we really want to do is help them spiritually. Okay. Well, that's the solution. Their housing is temporary. And so what ends up happening then is the progressive Christians are teaching ungodly things, real concepts, but in an ungodly way. So then the emphasis becomes on these things like social justice warrior, right? And we've probably heard this, but it's that idea of the, the virtue signal. Look at me, look at me, right? It's the ultimate flex. And it's a new term the kids like to use. I like it too. It's the ultimate flex. It's like, look, check me out. Look what I do. You know, we, we give money here at this church all over the world. We give money to the widow, orphan, poor, and Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. We're just not standing up and jumping up on the pulpit and having each one of you go, I give two, I give two. Why? Because we do it humbly. We do it as unto the Lord. We, we do that through our church. Christians, again, still lead the... That's the only reason they haven't banned Christianity and taken away the nonprofit status is because every politician knows that Christians give more money to these causes than anybody. And the social justice warriors give the least amount. They talk about it, but they don't actually do anything about it except, you know, blame you for not doing enough. It's the ultimate concept of human arrogance... It's so self-pointed and selfish. It has nothing to do with justice. It's just a, a, a political tactic. And unfortunately, so many in the, in the Christian community have fallen prey to this. And, and, it, and it's, again, it's ungodly. The progressive identification then becomes, and, and, the, and their pillars, and when you go and you read on their missions and their goals on their websites becomes things like, okay, well, first of all, here's the approach to scripture, which you should turn it off right away, which is the Bible is flawed. 
it's corrupt, it's immoral. So we need to, again, fix it, redefine it, change it. Galatians 1.9, if even an angel comes and gives you another gospel, let him be accursed. Reject it. But one of the other things that the progressive Christians put a huge value on, and we have to be careful with this, is they, they put a huge value on obey the inner voice. So listen, we, we, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We read God's word and, 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 and God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. We've got to be careful with that because this progressive inner spirit is more like bobblehead Jesus. Have you guys seen the bobblehead Jesus is? You guys know what a bobblehead is, right? He like sits there, right? The, the body never moves, but the head goes. <laughs> hey, Jesus, I think I should do this. Uh-huh. Hey, Jesus, what about the... Uh-huh. It's bobblehead Jesus. It's like obeying the inner voice that what? Confirms what you wanted. Well, what about the scripture? Was it? Well, scripture doesn't exactly say it that way, but, but you know, um, but I feel like this. So we have this massive attention right now to things like homosexuality, right? But this is how I feel. Yes, that is a real feeling. No denying it. And Charles Manson felt like killing people too. Real feeling. And, and, and people feel like committing adultery. Real feeling. And feel like committing fornication. Real feeling. These are real feelings that we have to fight against. Why? Because scripture says it very clearly. And, and we'll have a, a, a full sermon on this coming up. But we get people who write books and have millions of books sold like Glennon Doyle who then thinks Jesus should I leave my husband mm-hmm yep so she leaves her husband then she leaves her husband for another woman because her inner sense tells her this is what good is so forget a forget adultery forget you know fornication forget divorce forget you know homosexual forget all those things combined her inner voice says, go. And again, the third element of this focus of progressive identification is they're hypercritical, hypercritical to things like fundamentals and fundamentalism and purity, tradition. So they don't like traditional marriage, right? They, they, they want to redefine what righteousness is. Look, God's word defines righteousness, not me. God's word does. So when we look at, well, I don't know how I should live. Well, if I only had a comparison between the deeds of the flesh and the deeds of the spirit, like in Galatians, that, that lays it off. I, if I only knew what love really was. Oh, you mean like 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7. But see, progressive Christianity is hypercritical against the traditional biblical clear teachings of the word and the doctrine. They don't like it. They also have a concept verse four, which is again, it, it shows the, the lack of, and I, it sounds bad because it, it's, but, but they haven't studied. They haven't really studied the history of religion. So they fall prey to things like pantheon, pantheonism, uh, Pelagianism, universalism, these are all like tried and true heresies that should be like ABCs of Christianity, but here they are resurfacing things again, like statements like, well, God lives in the deepest part of everybody. Yeah. 
That's pantheism. It's so old. It's really we got we got to go through that again. Well, that's a different Jesus then. That's a different gospel. It's a different religion. Well, another one of their their hallmarks is Jesus is just a good teacher. Really, he's not the Lord. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the promised hope that Israel had, the Messiah, right? He is going to be the king, the sacrificial king. He's that, that combination of servant leader. That, that's who Jesus is. He is Lord. He's the king of the universe. And when he comes back, he is coming back to take his throne, to take his kingdom, and you will see the king with his sword. But he came first as a lamb to die and be the sacrifice. But see, they don't like King Jesus. King Jesus has rules. King Jesus has, has the word. Well, we, 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 can't, we, 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 we can't cling to that. They have more unification, more unification throughout all these different churches of progressivism with the LGBTQ topics than they do Jesus. Just let that sink in. More unification on that. Why? Because they're more political than they are biblical. So with that being said, like, well, if you make any statement against these things, then you're just a Christian bully and you're trying to be hurtful and you're trying to be mean. And again, no. Look, we love, we love like Christ loves coming to seek and save the lost. But, but we don't encourage sin. We don't encourage people to stay in this sinful place. Can they repent? Can they be restored? Can they be redeemed? Can they be born again? Can they be transformed? Yes, yes, yes. That's the beauty of Christianity. That is Christianity. Not that we're perfect. Everybody in this room is, is a sinner. Doesn't matter what the sin is. Does not matter. A violation, a breaking of God's law is sin. You are not worthy to enter into heaven. Don't put these, you know, like we're, we're rating them like gymnastics. Well, this is a 10. You know, adultery is a 10 sin. Stealing, eh, it depends what you steal. It was only, you know, toothpaste, you know, two. No, it's all sin that we need to be forgiven of, that Christ has paid the price for. Um, so again, it doesn't even make any sense that you would try to eliminate it or redefine it. But instead of, 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 of just accepting that, they accuse preachers and pastors, if we mention that, as being bullies. One of the other sad things, and they teach ungodly things, ungodly things like, like this political push for feminism do we love women of course we do any christian man's goal is to have a wife he can praise right proverbs 31 we just studied ephesians 5 where first we're subject to one another and then husbands are to love their wives as christ loved the church what does that mean that means sacrificially giving up everything for her selfishly i mean unselfishly selflessly to present her back to God in perfection. 
There's no greater love than this. There's no feminism in Christianity. But their feminism not only leads them to a, a blinded view of the woman's role, but it also leads them to things like accepting abortion. And so when someone like Jen Hatmaker, who I hope you guys don't read her, but again, she sells millions of books. So she's another one that leaves her husband. And, you know, why? Well, part of the reason why is, you know, her, her, her daughter's problems. And so she becomes also pro-abortion. It's like, listen, we are going to encounter people that we love with all our hearts that have every kind of different sin under the book. And we love them and they're sweet and they're nice. Um, but, but that's a sin. And in our love, we lovingly, kindly embrace them and bring them in and walk them through the scriptures. This is why this is wrong. First, God says it. It's clear. This is how we're supposed to live. This is what God says what, your, what fulfillment in life will be for you. What your purpose is. You will find joy in this. Not what the world has created. And then a final little key identification that we see that crops up in so many of these books is it's this idea of, you know, here are these, you know, words like therapy and medication, which again, I'm going to preach on this. That is not the answer to your sin. It's like everything has a label now of, well, you, you need therapy and medication. Well, what about some counseling, some biblical counseling? This isn't a medical issue. This is a sin issue. There's not a pill for that. There's a repentance action for that. You know, things like anxiety and fear and trials and pain. This is not new to the Bible. The Bible has answers for this. Scripture is sufficient. The Bible is sufficient for these problems. But progressive Christians think, no, a philosopher, a psychologist, a, a, a guy who's, who's studied the, you know, because, you know, medicine and science could never be wrong, right? I mean, we know that. We know they're never liars. They don't lie either. They're, they're never, never wrong. So if they say you need this pill, then you need this pill. Um, but again, look, we're, we're put in a position as believers that if whatever we say to somebody, if it by definition hurts their feelings, then we're wrong. Which is why we don't guess. We, we, it, it's only wrong if Scripture says it's wrong. Don't invent new laws, okay? People don't need new hang-ups. Well, finally, the fourth warning of progressive Christianity, and again, it, it's right back to what we've been talking about, but they don't give attention to Scripture. <clears throat> Verse 11. So here's the prescription, doctor. Prescribe and teach these things. So, so we got to get it right. Got to diagnose it right so that we can get the right prescription. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, in conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself as an example of those who believe. Now, did you notice these things? Look, we're, we're to spend attention to things like what we say, how we act, how we love, a real definition of love, a real definition of faith and purity. 
most progressives want to erase this entire, well, uh, conduct, it doesn't matter how you live, uh, love, love is just a feeling, faith, it's your faith, whatever faith you create or make up, purity, eh, that's old and antiquated. Purity, ah. Look, there's, there's consequences to being impure. Doesn't mean you can't be saved. Doesn't mean you can't be forgiven. But there are consequences. It's an important thing to, to keep yourself pure. What a gift. Verse 13, until I come. So are we paying attention, church? Until I come, here's what you're supposed to give your attention to. Again, not six pack of abs, you know, not seeing, you know, how fast you can run the marathon. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of scripture. Now, remember back then they didn't all have Bibles like we do now. So you'd have to go somewhere and they would read the, the Bible to you out loud. You're supposed to give attention to scripture, to exhortation and teaching. You know what exhortation is? Those are those commands of things that you're supposed to do. You need to pay attention to that. You need to pay attention to exhortations like, like constantly nourishing yourself. That's an exhortation. That's God exhorting you to constantly nourish yourself in the word. Okay. It's, it's, we're not talking about brain surgery here and teaching. That's why we come to church to stick to God's word and follow the teaching of God's word. Verse 14, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of the hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Take pains. These things are hard. We have to work on them. Be absorbed in them so that your progress may be evident to all. My, my Christianity is just inside. It's deep. I love Jesus. You just can't tell because of all the external, non-biblical, unrighteous activities that you see. No, we're, we're, we're to have both. It's supposed to be evident. Matthew talks about our fruit. We're to be like stars. You walk outside and you can just see it. Can't hear it. Can't touch it. Can't feel it. Can't smell it. You just see the star shining. Where's your fruit? Take pains to be absorbed in this so that your prog progress, not perfection, we don't all have to arrive. We're just working on it, right? It's like our saying upstairs, good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better, your better is best. Well, I'm just good right now. We'll get better. Well, I am better. We'll get best. I am the best in this room. Get bester. <laughs> and guess what? Some of us aren't even at the good part yet. We're at the bad part. It doesn't matter where you are on the scale. Progress. Just make progress. And it should be evident. In doing what? Verse 16, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Preserve these things for as you do this, you will ensure salvation. Well, I like the sound of that. Anybody else like that idea of being saved for sure? Spending eternity in heaven for sure? Well, you know what? Then pay close attention and 
pay close attention to teaching to God's word, the word, the faith, the sound doctrine. That's what we're exhorted and commanded to emphatically do. Whether in speech, the things we say matter. Well, it's just a word. It's not just a word. It matters. Let no unwholesome word come from your mouth, right? Don't be uh, abusive in your speech. Um, God's not silent. I, your conduct, be holy as I am holy. Love, love is patient, love is kind, love does not seek its own, does not keep accounts of wrong suffered, bears all, hopes all, endures all, right? That's what love is. Faith, having that supreme confidence in God's word so much that that it's confidence. It's not just faith. It's, it's confidence, assurance in things hoped for. Well, look, one of the attacks on Christianity is, well, the Bible's not just a rule book or the Bible is a rule book. That's all it is. All you talk about is rules, laws, commands. Well, the Bible is a rule book when it's a rule book. It's also historical poetical and it's a lot of things but when it's a rule book it is a rule book so why are we tearing the pages out why are we tearing the verses out that are rules well because we don't like them well that's how you know whether or not you're reading or listening to a progressive because they love to pick and choose scripture they love to tear things out look we're just commanded to follow and obey I don't know I don't get it do it just do it. That, that, that's just, just be an obedient servant. Well, again, some of the marks of progressive Christianity. We'll get into these in more detail in the weeks to come. But, but in essence, I am the spiritual authority is what they're saying. I'm the spiritual authority. You'll hear it in little things like, you know, you're talking about, you know, issues. And you go, well, that's not the way I see it. Um, that's not how I believe. Well, that's not a biblical statement. You're not the spiritual authority. I don't care how you see it or how you believe it. Chapter and verse. Give me a chapter and give me a verse. Um, remember, spiritual truth is not grounded in our personal perception of goodness. That changes. That changes all the time. That changes from country to country. That's just virtue signaling. God doesn't care about that perception. You shouldn't care either. If God says it, then we follow it and obey it and do it. Doctrine doesn't change. Theology doesn't shift. Morality, morality doesn't morph to the world. That's a path of death and destruction. We must follow God's word. Colossians 1.28 says that we proudly, we proudly, we're not ashamed. We proudly proclaim him. And in doing that, we admonish every man, every woman, every child in the teaching and the wisdom from God's word. Why? So that all of us would pre be presented complete in Christ. That's our goal. So we want to think like, talk like, act like the Bible. Nothing else. If it's new, probably not true. Let's pray. Lord.